Our scripture reading this morning is from Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship and discipline. God is treating you as his children, for what children are not disciplined by their father. If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? The discipline for us, for a little while, as though they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Amen. Thank you. Faith and discipline, which comes first? We've always asked about the chicken or the egg. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? And I ask you today, what about faith and what about discipline? You know, we are born. We are born and we have parents. But are we born with a faith in our parents? Does our faith grow when our parents or those who raise us and care for us discipline us? We are reminded from Romans 10.17, it says, Consequently, yes, consequently, Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. That's the NIV. In the New King James Version, it says it like this. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. That's important and powerful, isn't it? What are we hearing? What are we listening to? Are we in God's Word? Are we just listening to the news shows and talk radio? Are we just listening to our co-workers around the lunch table? Are we listening to what God really has to say? Are we in His Word to hear? So we realize just by these couple passages, faith just does not happen by itself, does it? Faith just does not happen by itself. Faith is combined with the Word of God, where the Word of God produces an understanding, and understanding produces a confidence, and confidence produces an ongoing, growing faith. Ongoing, 
growing faith. Last week, our verse for the month as well, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence, the evidence of things not seen. So it is some faith building needs to be done. There's some building blocks that have to go into place. And we are part of that building up so that we can understand. Part one, faith is a substance of things hoped for. Substance of things hoped for because it is a faith that is now. A faith right now. Right now, if you had to pinpoint your faith, what would you pinpoint it on? Because it's now. Right now. There's no going back to last year. There's no going back to when you was in your 20s. There's no going back to your teenage years or childhood that say, oh, I'm going to go back there and start my faith back up or start my faith. You can't go back. Just as there's no going into the future and saying, you know what, I'm going to wait till tomorrow night after church council to decide what I'm going to put my faith in. Or I'm going to wait till next Sunday, see what chapter 13 of Hebrews tells me about faith. Or I'm going to wait till I get out of school. I'm going to wait till I get out of college. I'm going to wait till I have children. I'm going to wait till the kids get, get big and grown up and out of the house. I have more time for it then. Faith is now. It is now. Because God is now. Right now, God. And as faith is right now. You know, there's many passages that God does not observe time and God does not be, is not controlled by time. But God does observe the right now. The right now, what are you thinking? The right now of your heart attitude. Your right now desires the right now God is concerned with. We should be concerned with the right now as well. Jesus is Lord and Savior now, or he's not right now. The Holy Spirit, you're recognizing his work right now, or you're not recognizing the work of the Spirit right now. That's powerful, isn't it? Hopefully the Lord can get our eyes open to the now. Your faith is at work now or it is not at work. Because faith is a substance, there's faith in God's word. God's word that you can hold in your hands. God's word that you can read. God's word you can hide in your heart. God's word you can memorize and put in your mind. Faith is also a substance like prayer. Prayer... You can hear the prayers of others. You can read prayers that are in the Bible. You can hear the prayers as other people pray. A substance that is tangible to the heart, mind, and soul. That prayer of the right now either penetrates or it goes in one ear and out the other. Faith is a substance that leads to a faith that there's evidence Evidence. There's proof. Evidence of your faith. What is that? 
Is there enough people to convict you that you're faithful to God and only God? That Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Is there enough evidence of your faith to convict you of that? To the point that there is so much proof of things that we cannot see. But can they see the Lord at work in your life? Can they see the Lord in your attitude, in the Lord in the way you live, the way you serve, the way you give? Is there enough evidence? Last week we read that passage about the heroes of faith, and I had said, and I hope that you'd want your name to be added to that list of the heroes of faith. But what did those heroes of faith have? They had substance and they had evidence. And we can read that list there in chapter 11 again when we forget and when we get discouraged. And there's this great hope for all of us. As we read that list of heroes, we read, we read what they did and what they have faced and how they overcome and they remain faithful. Can we see faith in each other? You know, we cannot just assume that things are going to be okay. We cannot live a life of presuming as well. We're not called to that as Christians. We're called to a life of faith. The world out there, and you know it, and you've seen it, and we see it every day, the world does this. They assume, and the world presumes. And what is the world? It is full of despair. It's full of all kinds of action, actions, and they're what? Eternal? Absolutely not. They're futile. They're futile. They're destructive. Destroying itself. Destroying people and one another. We read here in Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 is really... Come on, man. Come on, woman. Come now. Get in gear. Start living a faith-filled life. This chapter is about living a faith-filled life, where verse 1 reminds us of those heroes of faith have all those life moments. They have testimonies because they were faithful. They have these testimonies because they were faithful. Yes, we have to have that test, to have a testimony. But it only becomes a testimony when we remain faithful to the one and only, our Lord and Savior. Because we remain faithful through those challenges and heartaches and struggles, do we have a testimony. It's not a testimony when we turn our back on God. It's not a testimony when we walk away backbiting, backstabbing, and gossiping, and all those things that the world does. That's no testimony. But verse 2 gets right to it. It says, fix, fix your eyes on Jesus. So if you're looking at anything else, you're going to get in trouble. Fix your eyes on Jesus and look at what you're being told to look at. The teacher says, class, look here. Sometimes the teacher says, put your pencils down and look here. Quit taking notes for a minute and look here. And that's what we have here. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Look to Jesus. And we get the why. It goes on to say, because Jesus 
is the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. The pioneer and the perfecter. So what's a pioneer? One that begins. The one that begins, meaning our faith begins in the heart. Jesus starts it up. And it might be kind of hard to start, you know, that, those cold engines. Reminds me of those cold engines. They, it takes a while for them to warm up and get them to fire up and get running. Or that old chainsaw or that weed eater or that blower. How many cranks does it take to get your leaf blower? Ours is around 18 to 20. So the boys and I get that job, but when Angie gets tired of waiting on us, she goes out and she goes out there and she's doing that. She's like, yep, took 20 this time. And that's what Jesus, kind of what he's doing. He's getting a hold of our hearts and he's trying to try and get that face started. He goes, come on now. Come on, daughter. Come on, son. Let's get it going. And it gets going. Your faith gets going. It's, it's in the early stages. It's infancy. It's taking that, that milk and water and parade food of Scripture and those Jesus loves me stories and just get, get, getting it built up. Jesus keeps on working. He's keeping that work going within us. We get into some life moments, some sticky moments, some challenges, and Jesus is still in there saying, come on now. Remain faithful. Cling to me. Take my hand. Don't try to walk by yourself. Walk with me. We take his hand and our faith begins. Oh, man, this is good, holding the hand of Jesus. I, well, I got this. We can walk through this. And our faith keeps growing and our faith keeps going. And it says Jesus, who is the perfecter, perfecter of our faith. We, we don't get to perfection. We're not ever going to be a perfect person, perfect people, perfect family, a perfect church. But we have faith in the Lord, don't we? And Jesus keeps working in us because we keep turning back to him saying, okay, Lord, what's next? What's that next step? What, what do I need to do next? So fix your eyes on Jesus. That is why we keep our eyes on him. Jesus is the source of your faith. Yes, your faith. Not your mom and not your dad. Nobody else is going to be that source. Not your spouse, not your church, not your pastor, but you. Yes, it gets back to you again. You and me as individuals. Remember Peter? He had faith. He had faith and he stepped out of that boat and Jesus said, come to me. He had his eyes on Jesus and he's fixed on Jesus. His mind was on Jesus. His thoughts was on Jesus. But as soon as his eyes looked to the storm, as soon as his thoughts went to the waves, he began to sink. He was going to drown and he cried out, Lord, save me. And the Lord saved him. Let us keep our eyes on Jesus because he is the source of our faith. And when we keep our eyes on Jesus, what does verse 3 tell us? We are told because Jesus endured our punishment so that we will not grow weary 
and so that we will not lose heart, so that we will not throw in the towel, so that we won't give up. Yes, we will have moments of discouragement and defeat and feelings of, oh, I can't do this. Oh, I messed it up. Oh, Lord, how much more can I take? But Jesus is there. He's there because he lives. He already defeated sin and death. And he lives. Verse 4 tells us, we don't shed blood for our sins. There's no more sacrifices for our sins because Jesus, Jesus was a final sacrifice for sin. It doesn't mean that we will be without trial or heartache or hardship. We won't be without sickness and illness and persecution. Yes, we'll have setbacks and disappointments and discouragement. Yes, we live in a world where the enemy is all around us. But Jesus, he's taking care of it. Fix your eyes on him. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Verses 5, 6, and 7 explains and reveals to us that God does believe in discipline. He's a good God. He's a good Father. And I hope that we could say amen to this because God the Father is the one. He's going to discipline his children. God the Father has so much love for you, so much love for his children, so much love for the church. that he will not and he cannot just let us do anything and everything that our human minds and bodies would desire. He's just not going to let us do anything and everything. There will be moments, and it's in Scripture that he does say, you want it that way, have at it. There's moments as parents we have to say, oh, you want, you want to do those things? Go learn Go learn the hard, hard way. It breaks our heart. It disappoints us. We're sad and we feel defeated when our children do those things. But we don't give up, do we? God does not give up. He believes in discipline. You know, it's like an old piece of furniture. Even though it is old, there's still value. It still has purpose. It still has substance. There's still evidence that it's there, maybe old. It's seen a few years. It's seen some wear and tear. But that old piece of furniture, you know, it can be repaired. Sanded a little bit, a little new varnish applied here and there. And it can be transformed. Transformed and looking new and, and that there is still value. The greatest example I was told last week, you know, the rummage sale from last fall, there's this little table. Nobody wanted it. It was going to get shipped away. Don't know where it would have went, but it was going to get shipped away. But there's a lay of the church. She thought, let me take that home. She took it home, and she gave it some TLC and fixed it up, cleaned it up, sanded it, made it nice and smooth, a little paint, a little decoration. She brought it back to the Valentine's auction, Something that nobody had wanted just six months ago. But you know what it was sold for just at that Valentine's auction? I was told $300. I don't know who bought it. I don't know if it's in one of your homes or where it's at now, but 
all of a sudden, that transformation, that little, that little table has new life. It has some life expectancy. I probably would have took it to the burn pile and roasted a marshmallow or two. But God is in the transformation business. God's plan and God's desire is for you to be transformed where it is off with the old, out with the old, and to put on Christ, to be that new person in Christ Jesus. So yes, he's not going to hesitate to discipline even when it hurts. And some of the discipline will be painful. And he knows there's going to be those moments when we cry out, Lord, why is this life so hard? Lord, why is it so difficult? Lord, why is it so confusing? Lord, I don't know what to do. He's going to be there. And Jesus is going to be there. And he's going to be priming your faith, saying, keep the faith. Trust in me. Remain faithful. Don't give in. Don't throw in the towel. Remain faithful and have faith that God's grace is sufficient. That God's grace and love is sufficient. And God's grace and love is sufficient all the time. The discipline leads to a transformation that leads to our lives and our purpose is in Christ. We get to that moment, that aha moment, that spiritual moment, realizing this life isn't about me and myself and I. But that transformed life, and as a Christian, the purpose is in Christ alone. Yes, we are born selfish people. We are born without faith. Babies soon realize that there is a person... There's some big person with a bottle of warm milk. That person also changes me, makes me feel warm and clean and all these nice things. That person makes me feel safe. That person cares for me. I cry and I get cared for. I keep on crying. That person keeps on holding and caring for me, doing all kinds of things. When was the last time you cried that you cried and said, God, help me. God, I can't do this. When was the last time you even prayed for help? For help and understanding. You know, there's an old saying, there's a picture. Michael, pull up the picture here. And all your parents and grandparents have said this and seen it before. Children, step on your toes. As a child steps on your heart as they grow up. Happens generation after generation. Just like we're always trampling on the heart of our Lord and Savior, aren't we? We're always running over Jesus to get ahead of him. We're always getting ahead of him and his will because we think we got it or we know best. We see our children do it. We're blessed. We hear some remorse or they ask for forgiveness. They, you know, back then in college, I'm very sorry I did this or that. It touches your heart. 
because you probably have one or two come along that's going to do the same thing. They say the same things that the first one did or the second one did, and all of a sudden they come back and say, I got this. And there's comes to the point saying, have at it. And they have to go at it their own, on their own. Discipline does two things. It provides correction. And it reveals to us that the correction is out of love. A love that wants to protect. A love that wants to save us from harm. A love that wants us to be a loving, caring person. Someday a parent. Someday a leader in the church, in the community, in the country. Someone that will serve the Lord going forward. Serving the Lord in the church going forward in the name of Jesus. So yes, God does discipline us for the good, the good of the heart and mind and soul. God wants our faith to be continuously growing and in the discipline and in our Christ-like moments. May we remain not just faithful, but that we would have a growing faith. A growing faith in the discipline and a growing faith in the good when we get it right. The Christ-like moments. So faith like discipline will produce a harvest of righteousness and peace. Let us thank the Lord for that promise that we need this day. Faith like discipline will produce a harvest of righteousness and peace. Let us pray. Father God, our faith is a right here, right now moment thing. So Lord, we ask for the Holy Spirit to continue to lead us. We understand and we know that you will lead us faithfully. But will we be faithful and will we respond faithfully? I pray that we will, Lord. And I pray for the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us in that way. And I pray for the joy that the greater things are yet to come. That there are better things yet to come. Now and for the ministry of this church and for the ultimate, the ultimate leaving this world behind to join you in your kingdom, in the kingdom of perfection. So Lord, may we remain faithful. May our faith continue to grow. And I ask your blessing upon each one that's gathered here today, each one that has listened, and each one that has watched. And Lord, I'm excited to see the substance and evidence of their faith going forward in the name of Jesus. This I pray and ask for your glory and your kingdom and for us right now. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.